Today's NBA Heat Check is brought to you by Squarespace. The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website, showcase your work, blog, or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers. And there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code NBA to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And now, heat check. Uh, he's got smoke coming off his fingertips. He's as hot as a blowtorch. It's a heat check. You knew that was coming. It's heat check time. Welcome to the Heat Check Podcast. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined as I am all the time in the other room by our producer, Isaac Lee. All kinds of crazy stuff happened over the weekend. Some of it college basketball related. A lot of March Madness happening in March. We've got all of your NCAA tournament coverage on TheRinger.com. We've got Jonathan Charks on One and Dones playing in March Madness. That's on the site today. We've got Roger Sherman on Winners and Losers. And of course, the excellent One Shining Podcast with Mark Titus and Tate Frazier. So uh, you want to check that out as well. They've got all of your wall-to-wall NCAA coverage that you don't want to miss. And you don't want to miss any of the NBA stuff, too. A lot of stuff happening in the NBA, per usual. Later on in the program, we'll have Danny Chow and Haley O'Shaughnessy to talk about the Eastern and Western Conference playoff pictures. And then we're going to bring in our resident New Orleans experts, Micah Peters and Justin Barrier, to talk about what's been a very interesting season for the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Their owner, Tom Benson, just died, which is throwing an organization that was previously in semi-disarray into further disarray. Not to mention the fact that the Pelicans are in the playoff picture and Anthony Davis has been a monster. So a lot of stuff to get to there. But right before we started rolling on this podcast, big breaking news out of the NBA. Tyron Lue has decided to step aside for an indetermined period of time. That's a big topic. And for that, we need a big guest. We bring in one of our best. Isaac, let's hit it. All right, joining us in the studio, one of the greatest guests we've ever had on the Heat Check program, certainly the GOAT all-time host on this program. She's our favorite, Juliette Littman. Hi. What an intro. Thanks, man. Hi, friend. Hi. Um, Great to see you. Thank God we have a professional to help out with this program today because a lot of breaking news a lot. right before we ripped up the outline and we said, okay, we got to talk about this because Ty Lue, 40 years old, just announced that he's stepping aside from the Cavaliers. He left Saturday night's win, Juliet, over the Bulls with an undisclosed illness. That's the third time he's left a game this season and hasn't returned. That was at halftime, right? Yeah. It's happened before where he's ducked out and people weren't sure why. And after consulting with Kobe Altman and doctors, he determined, and this is from his statement, uh, quote, I need to step back from coaching for the time being and focus on trying to establish a stronger and healthier foundation. Uh, He said he's had chest pains and troubling symptoms compounded by a loss of sleep throughout the year. And that despite a battery of tests, doctors could not conclude what the exact issue is. He's been trying to work through it. It hasn't obviously worked out. He said he's going to use this time to focus on a prescribed medication, which he thought and the doctors thought was previously difficult to start in the middle of the season. LeBron said that he thinks it's probably well overdue. This is a quote from LeBron, understanding what he's been going through this season. So obviously health is the most important with everything in life. So I'm not surprised by it at all. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. I think another thing that he said he's focusing on is a prescribed routine in addition Mm -hmm. to medication. And I think that's a probably really important note. Yeah. It seems like being an NBA coach is really hard. Steve Clifford also left with kind of an unknown exact diagnosis. Obviously, Steve Kerr's had all this back pain. People always joke about Tibbs, like only watching tape, but it just seems like being an NBA coach is really, really hard with very little break. And Ty Lu has a brand new team that he's had for what, a month? Six weeks? So I spent uh, last week, I wrote a piece about the Cavs and whether or not this was, if we were looking at what looked like the end of this latest iteration of the Cavs. And I spent some time kicking around with them and Ty Lu flat said, he's like, this is you know, we're going on our second or even third, depending on how you determine it with like the injuries and the trades variation of the Cavaliers. And it's been obviously not a very good season for them. So I think all of the things that you just outlined, it's difficult to be in professional sports. It's difficult to be a head coach. There's a lot of stress. There's very little sleep. There's tons of travel. You're probably not eating that well. There's a lot going on just under the best circumstances. 
And this has not been the best circumstances no. for the Cavaliers. And um, someone ironically, Brian Windhorst has a big story on ESPN.com today about LeBron. And it says in the piece that LeBron spends over seven figures on his body, like taking care of himself. Per, I believe it. Per season. That includes like anything from masseuses to chefs to the thrust of the articles that he has um, a trainer who is a former Navy SEAL who like uses very specific techniques to help his back pain. And... That's LeBron, who is like known for taking the best care of his body, like probably since Steve Nash and probably inspired by Steve Nash. And just think about like, that's an incredible luxury that you get when you have that much money and also like extreme professional responsibility, but just speaks to like the wear and tear that you go through in this season. And Lou had it as a player and now as a coach and self-care has a very specific connotation. But in in this sense, really taking care of yourself is really hard to do in the NBA and comes with a huge price. And obviously... Ty Lue is somewhat suffering from that. It's not not exactly the same, but I think it is they're related. As a fellow 40-year-old, sure. I think like there's a, a moment sometimes where you start to take stock and you're like, Meh. you know, I'm getting a little older. I got to take care of myself a little bit. And then sure. like he, for him not to be able to have really that time to take those maintenance steps that say LeBron James or other professional athletes do. I mean, he's a former professional athlete, yeah. but it, it becomes different when you're the coach and you're grinding all this tape and you're looking at this team and you're going. Earlier in the season, he was trying to stick with the tried and true. Okay, here's my core. I'm going to let it play out. We'll see how it goes. And there were moments when they were playing really well and then other moments when they clearly were not. And then it changed. And he said, okay, now I'm going to try everything. And then they traded a bunch of people and then they had all these injuries. So I don't think there was one moment this season, at least from just like a pure coaching standpoint, where he could go, yeah, I could put this on autopilot a little bit and worry about me. There just wasn't really that moment. Yeah. And so aside from getting down like your plays and like the X's of O's of having a new team, there's so much ego management that has to go into getting these new players. Like, you know, they got rid of two people who were like Crowder and Thomas, who by most accounts were bad for their locker room culture. But then you add in like four new guys, all of whom are quite young. You know, mm-hmm. I was thinking of, of Nance and Clarkson specifically as the young guys, but Hood is also really young. And who was the fourth player? George Hill. Oh, and George Hill. Who, he's like he's not super something. young, but he right. is kind of aggrieved. Like he was unhappy. <laughs> he was unhappy in Sacramento. And so there's a lot of like emotional massaging that has to go on. And that's a full time job. Like, yes. how can you even be expected to, to like be studying tape when you have to worry about is George Hill happy here? I asked Ty Lue about that and about whether or not there was sort of any um, change from the like when you were dealing with the yeah. previous Eagles who clearly were not getting along in the locker room to these new guys who like seem sort of happy to be here. And like, I think now in retrospect, his answer was sort of telling. He he said they're quiet. Uh-huh. You know, they fit in. It was kind of like, you know, it helps my head. Right. You know, like I don't have to deal with them jaw- jawing at me. And and now, you know, it sort of makes sense because Cleveland.com had a, a, some more information on this story and said that Ty Lue and the organization were, quote, in agreement that he had to step away now because this was something that he had been previously, and I didn't realize this, and I don't think anybody else did who was outside the team, that Lou was thinking about stepping away, according to this Cleveland.com story, back in November and December, even when they're in the midst of winning 18 and 19, and then again in January, when they were struggling mightily. And LeBron didn't even find out about this supposedly until just before shoot-around. Yeah, exactly. He found out this morning. And LeBron also said on Saturday that Lou's illness had been uh, affecting the team as well. Yeah, so this is something I wanted to get into here because Ty Lou said, the last thing I want is for it to affect the team. Yeah. And LeBron's quotes, I think, were very interesting here. On the one hand, he goes, yeah, look, you got to worry about you. You've got to take care of your health. This is paramount and good. That's, I think, like the initial reaction that pretty much every right-thinking person should have. But then LeBron said, when he was asked, how has this affected the team? Or has it? And LeBron said, I mean, he's the captain of the ship, so absolutely. We worry about his health, obviously. That's way more important than his game of basketball. We know he's been doing everything he needs to do to stay healthy. He needs to take even more measures to get himself right. But everything that's been going on with our year, it's just another one. Right. On the one hand, I get it, right? It's been a tough year for the Cavs. On the other hand, I wonder about, once again, whether or not you're saying the quiet part loud. Right. Like maybe this is something you should just stick in your back pocket for a second because, yeah, Shit has not gone right for the Cavs all season long. It has been one issue after another. Like If I'm LeBron, I'm thinking in my head, man, it's yet another thing that we've got to deal with right now. But I'm not sure how helpful it is to bring this up. And also, with the benefit of hindsight, if LeBron was privy to this, they were just jawing at each other on the sideline the other day. 
Absolutely. Also, think about the other players he seems like he's fallen out with. Like J.R. Smith seems like he doesn't talk to Ty Lue anymore. Like when he's been moved around in the lineup, he just kind of says like, I'm, I'm here for whatever. I'm here to play. But there doesn't seem like there's like some sort of warmness or conversation between him and Ty Lue like when, when he gets moved to being back on the bench. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same thing with Tristan Thompson. It doesn't seem like the players who have been there for a while and who won with Ty Lue have these warm feelings towards him right now. It's, I mean, I don't know what their inner office dynamic sure. really is, but certainly anecdotally, everything you just said makes it look not great, right? Yeah. I mean, and again, this has been a season-long maintenance issue in terms of locker room, chemistry, yeah. overall issues with the Cavs. And you thought, or at least some of us thought, that at the trade deadline, that was sort of mitigated a little bit, right? You ship sure. out some of the guys who weren't getting along. You bring in some of the quiet kids. You know, I saw them one day... Um, Ty Lue was goofing off with Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance, and it seemed like, you know, at the very least, there was a little bit of collegiality. Sure. Well, LeBron's quote is so facetious. He says he's the captain of the ship. Like, everyone knows nope. that is not true. Right. It's so ridiculous to even suggest it. Right. And even if it is true that Colby Altman is is in the rest of the front office are deciding with Ty Lue that he should step away, that comes on the heels of LeBron talking about Ty Lue's illness when they largely have not discussed it. So, you know, there's a timeline to consider here as well. And the shine has come off this new revamped team. And, you know, they're, they could land anywhere from three to six in the playoffs. Well, so let's get into that a little bit because I, I want to talk about and discuss and unpack a little bit this idea of what you just said, that, that you know, LeBron says... Ty Lue is the captain of the ship. We all know LeBron is the captain of the ship. Yes. He is he is all things related to the ship. In the interim, technically, Larry Jew will be the interim head coach. He's had 312 games as the head coach of uh, the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. For his career, he's 26 games under 500. He's two, no great Yeah, shapes. two 10 years, it didn't go great. Yeah, not great. Um, <laughs> not great, Bob. How much do you buy into the idea that LeBron really is also play you know he's not just player but also coach and and to what extent does the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers or the or a head coach in the NBA really matter because there are certain actions that they'll put into effect but ultimately when you're on the floor it's not like you know in college where you see a coach on the sideline calling plays and whatnot they're getting to into a lot of these sets organically and they know the, how they want to attack defenses so sure. how much does this loss of Tyloo really affect a team that you know hasn't been able to find its way I think the the most problematic piece is the culture because yeah. the best coaches also have the best players. Like Greg Popovich had Tim Duncan and David Robinson and has had like this continuity of culture. And Steve Kerr has the who everyone says is a great guy and Steph Curry. And, you know, Phil Jackson with his time with the Bulls was like the most lauded for being able yeah. to foster a culture that Michael Jordan wasn't able to completely override. Like there was like a there was a bond there that allowed him to manage his team more than I think coach's team. Though obviously his coaching was like extremely impactful on the NBA in general. But I mean I think that's to say like I, you know I think Mike Brown was able to take over for the Warriors last year and Luke Walton was able the year before that because there was a culture in place. Yes. And so they were able to kind of keep the trains running and build upon something that they didn't have to start from scratch. But you know, Larry Drew is stepping into a situation where there's a lot more construction to be done. And it's yes. really like the wrong time in the season for that to happen, particularly when it's a coach without, who's not like, as far as I know, not hugely respected. <laughs> you bring up great points about, especially with Mike Brown and Golden State and then previously Luke Walton, who were able to step in and keep things moving because they knew the culture. It was established. But beyond that, they knew what they had yeah. and how they wanted to deploy everybody, right? It's a totally different situation with the Cavs have when you look at it, uh, the lineups that were all, already in disarray. Post-trade deadline, Ty Lou said, look, I went from like not tinkering to completely <laughs> tinkering, just trying everything, moving J.R. Smith out of the lineup, putting Kyle Korver into the starting lineup. Um, you had a lot of injuries. Now, on top of that, you're potentially about to, they're, they're getting ready for Kevin Love to be back into the fold, right? So you've got yes. Larry Nance. You're not sure whether or not he can really play the five. The Lakers thought previously that he that wasn't a good spot for him, but now you've got Kevin Love. Do you want to play them side to side? What are you doing <laughs> with these rotations? And in the midst of that, and this is the only part where I go, yeah, that's the that's the part specifically that NBA head coaches do matter. Rotations. Mm -hmm. Yes. What kind of personnel groupings are you putting out there? Because it's not my suspicion that LeBron James is going, these are the units I want. And in game, he's got a lot of stuff going on. So sure. like the shuffling in and out of different components and, and how you're uh, pairing them, that matters. That is where you can make an impact as a coach. And where Ty Lue has done a bad job. 
So fair enough. His rotations are are not is not his signature. Like he hasn't landed. I mean, it's not completely his fault. I was going to say, how much do we put it on him? It's not completely his fault at all. And you know, I think in previous seasons he's made good substitutions when it mattered. Like you know, figuring out how to use Tristan Thompson the best in against the Warriors and putting him in a position to succeed. But this season that has really been a a, a point where they have not landed. Like to what you said earlier, you know what I mean. And a lot of it is because the players have changed so much and they've had so many injuries. I mean, even looking at their report for tonight, like Corver and Cosman yeah. and Kevin Love are all still out. But that is probably the number one place where they have they have just not found a rhythm, which is with rotations. And I I think that is often the death knell of many good coaches with good talent who can't make it work. I previously, um, and you know this because we've we've done many a podcast together now, would have said, it's cool. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Playoff LeBron matters above all. I'm not saying that this specific moment with Ty Lue has changed mm-hmm. everything. I am going to LeBron's point about it's just one more thing that they've yes. got to deal with. And now, just a minute ago, you had said, look, they could really fall anywhere from three to eight here because you look at the standings. As we record this, they've got a game coming up on Monday evening against the Milwaukee Bucks at home. They are in third place in the Eastern Conference, but they are only a half game up on the Wizards and Pacers. They're only a game and a half up on the 76ers. They're only three games up on the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, th- this is a close race in the in the East in terms of really playoff close. positioning. These teams, three through eight, are pretty much slotted in. They're going to make the playoffs. Yes. But where they fall and in what pecking order and whether or not the Cleveland Cavaliers have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, this is all in flux now. Yeah, absolutely. And for a team that's dealing with injuries and just has a circus that follows it everywhere you go, it goes, you think they'd want home court. Yeah. I think that's one thing that also is just underrated with this Cavs team is the circus. Like you have Team LeBron, then you have the Kardashian effect with Tristan Thompson, and then you have another bona fide star in Kevin Love who also like has his own people and his his own endorsements and everything. And also just revealed in the Players' Tribune what was going on with him yeah, as well. Absolutely. It hasn't been an easy season for him. He was battling with things. He had a panic attack. He, he's now opening up about mental health. And there are a lot of non-basketball issues absolutely. that are swirling around this team, not to mention the fact that they have a lot of basketball issues with this yeah, team. Yeah, 100%. And I don't want to... I really commend Kevin Love and think that what he did is amazing. So I don't mean to imply he's like part of the quote unquote circus. But no, I d- no, no. But I no. do think that the other people that come along with Tristan Thompson and LeBron and just this this team makes it a much harder to manage than really anything else. Yeah. And I mean, basketball wise, and I, I really want to focus on this for just a second here. All year long, with the exception of that run early in the season where they really got hot. Yeah. They have been. Up and down. They're yeah, the inconsistent. Team. Inconsistent all year long. And and that's certainly been the case post-trade deadline where they've been trying to figure out how all these pieces fit and they've been trying to incorporate, you know, or overcome these injuries as well. Where are you on them relative to the rest of the Eastern Conference pack? I mean, they do still have LeBron, right? Yeah, and the course. playoffs are different. Of course. I think that all these teams, like they just have big weaknesses. It's hard, hard to imagine the Cavs losing in the first round. So I think that even without home court, they make it to their to second round. But, well, but Cavs Sixers is a tough, tough this is matchup. What I'm saying, right? That's probably their worst case scenario matchup for the first round. Right now, if it happened, it would be Cavs Sixers in the first round, which give me all of that. Absolutely. I mean, the storylines there, the narratives there would be absolutely fascinating uh, and super compelling. And I think one of the best first round matchups uh, across the NBA that would be a potential problem for the Cavs, Definitely. I think. I think the Sixers are just matchup-wise tougher for them than the Wiz or the Pacers. Yeah. I mean, Cavs-Bucks would also be interesting, but sure. that's probably not going to happen unless the Bucks move up somehow. The, I don't think the Bucks can beat the Cavs four times. Yeah, I don't think so either, but I like the idea of LeBron and Giannis in a playoff series. Give me all of that. Yes, of um, course. Let's just game this out for a quick sure. second. Like, if things did go... I was going to say, if things did go sideways for the Cavaliers... And they lose in the first round. I, that's obvious what happens next. LeBron's gone. How far do the Cavs need to get for it to even be a question about him coming back now? Because the more this thing continues, the more I go, he's absolutely leaving. Short of a championship, I, I don't know that we can be certain LeBron is staying. You think it's championship? Yeah. Like, like actually winning it or just making it to the finals? Winning it. Yeah. It, this is where we are now. Yeah. It's tough stuff for Cleveland. It's tough stuff for the Cavaliers. They're in an ugly spot, especially if he leaves, because then what do you do with that team? Yeah, it's it's really a mess. But I don't think they can be the Raptors. I actually don't. This is something that I've discussed on the, the podcast with Danny, and I look at the Raptors and I, and I keep going, yeah, they're real. 
Yes, the they Raptors are. are real. Like this is a team because their benches like they contribute, and that's a that's what carries the team. You know, ultimately the rotations will shorten, and your tenth man doesn't matter. But six, seven, and eight do, and they have a good team. Well, also exactly what you said about the Warriors earlier about their continuity yeah. and their chemistry and their culture and knowing what they are and like. Previous years, I kind of knocked them for it because sure. it was sort of stayed and Dwayne Casey was doing the same old thing. But there's something to be said for like understanding re- working relationships yeah. and what you can get out of certain people and how you want to run things, not just on the court, but interact with people in the locker room, at practice, at shoot around, you know, traveling together is a pain in the ass. But like just having that rhythm, there's something to be said for it. And they're sort of the anti-Cavs this year sure. in that things have gone well for them. They haven't really had any drama. They've known what they are. It's A couple crucial differences about the Raptors with other like perennially good but can't take an, another leap team. And I don't think they're going to win, win it all. But I do think they can make the finals. A, they kind of change how they play thanks to DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. And B, they've won some close games. I think that's like the real test yeah. of, of how far a team can go in February and March is like if they can quote unquote gut out a win. And uh, they can. And I think that's, that is useful for prognosticating in the playoffs. I'm worried for the Cavs. I'm also just really hope Ty Lue figures things out for himself, not like for the team, but just gets better. Sounds bad. Yeah. The big thing for him, for them, just like worry about you as a human being because yeah. ultimately... You know, it's the NBA, right? It's hyper competitive. This is something that like they've been and he was a player and now he's a coach and he's won a championship and he obviously wants to compete and be out there. But ultimately, that matters far less than like being a healthy human being. Sure. Right. And like there's a quality long life. There's a work life uh, balance that needs to be struck. Sure. And I think that uh, finally he he decided he came to the determination that um, one part of the ledger needed to be fixed a little bit. So good for him coming to that conclusion. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the Cavs down this final stretch of the season and then into the playoffs. How do you think this ultimately ends before? Because I know you have to go. We have to go and bring in Danny and Haley. But how do you think this ends for the Cavs? Um, I think the Cavs are out in round two. LeBron is gone. LeBron's out. This is the end. Yeah. This is sad. This is also the end of my time on this episode. <laughs> at the end of your time on this episode. <laughs> like I said, she's very good at hosting. That was a smooth transition. <laughs> she's Juliet Littman. You can catch her uh, on a potpourri of podcasts. Just, yeah. Just, just everywhere. Eh. She's everywhere. She's on the site. She's Juliet Littman. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone. All right. We're going to bring in Danny and Haley to talk about the Eastern and Western Conference playoff pictures. But before we do, a word from our sponsors. Today's Heat Check is brought to you by Belvedere. Produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka crafted by a collective of master distillers. Belvedere is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 16, and 17. Belvedere's unparalleled quality is reminiscent of the King, a.k.a. LeBron James, and his recent run where he made the NBA Finals an astounding seven consecutive times from 2011 through 2017. I love linking the King to vodka, including three NBA Finals MVP awards. LeBron, whether with the Heat or the Cavs, always plays basketball of the utmost quality, just like Belvedere Vodka. Enjoy a delicious cocktail. By the way, Juliet was just here. She always enjoys a, a delicious vodka cocktail. She calls it the Juliet. It's a vodka soda splash of pineapple. My go-to is vodka soda splash of OJ. And then I thought to myself, what would happen if I did vodka soda splash of OJ splash of pineapple? Turns out it's delicious. I'm calling it the heat check. Take that with you. Please enjoy it. Uh, that's a combination of the Juliet and the Gons. And enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today. And always drink responsibly. Heat Check is also brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Fun fact, unlike flights or other travel, hotel rates actually get cheaper at the last minute. In fact, Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. This is true. My wife and I, we were in Rome. Like knuckleheads, we decided not to book a hotel in the last second. To the rescue, Hotel Tonight, and all it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book a room, no long, endless list of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. That's perfect for if you're busy or you don't want to overthink things. Plus, you can book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. Book next week, tonight. Book next month, tonight. It's great for the last-minute getaways or for a quick staycation, whether you're a planner or you like to leave things 
like me and my wife, to the very last minute. And with the Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app now. And now, back to the show. All right, joining me in studio, two of our favorites here at The Ringer. We have Western Conference to discuss, Eastern Conference to discuss. So we bring in two of our experts, Danny Chow, Haley O'Shaughnessy. Thanks for doing this, gang. You're welcome. Also, they planned this. They had a little wardrobe discussion. They're both wearing olive green jackets on the program. This always kind of happens whenever we do podcasts together. It's it's usually the double denim, but I, I guess we switched it up with the kind of like from army green in lieu of the double denim you've got the olive green it looks wonderful we decided to be the masters yeah of this podcast you guys are the masters of basketball so it's very appropriate tradition like every other (laughs) it's it's a tradition on this podcast uh previously with juliet we got into all things cavaliers i wanted to talk about both conferences with you and the playoff pictures and how they're shaping up as we funnel towards the uh end of the regular season so let's start in the west because we just did some eastern conference start with the warriors not great times for the warriors right now could be better they're not very healthy. Durant's out at least two weeks with uh, what he termed an incomplete fracture of his rib. And they asked him, uh, when does it hurt? And he said, when I laugh. And then somebody made him laugh. So don't do that. Uh, Curry is out with a right ankle injury, which, by the way, fourth right ankle injury this year of varying degrees of concern. And he's had eight injuries in total for the entire season, all of, all of them on the right side of his body, which is sort of interesting. And Clay Thompson is out and they're just sort of, you know, they're going to be fine. But injury issue wise, how concerned are you guys? Well, I think far more than comparing them to the Cavs are going to be fine. And that's why not looking at injuries, but just looking at the rest of the season saying, okay, these guys aren't going to be in. I think they're totally fine. The bottom of the West is alternating like crazy. And I think that there's the playoff seating. I don't, I don't think it's crucial necessarily that they catch the Rockets just because I don't think they should focus on that push. You know what I mean? Especially since they don't have so many guys in right now. But I think that they're going to be fine no matter what seed they end up in. Likely the two, right? But it's just like whoever they play, it keeps rotating. It's not like they're focusing on a specific team. And even last year, like we looked at them, they were going to face the Blazers. We were like, okay, well, that's it. Look at the Blazers this year. Look They're at fantastic. the Blazers this year, Danny. Right. Look, I, I We're mean, we're going to get into the Blazers. But. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty much as Haley said. It's pretty much like a rotating, revolving door. Right. Everyone down at the bottom has a chance at playing the Warriors, and I don't think any team is looking forward to that. I I mean, all of these injuries are kind of knickknack, yeah, late season injuries. I, I don't think any of them are of serious concern. It, it, it's not necessarily like. Say Kyle Lowry last year, he had a wrist injury that took him out for about a month. Then they had to work him back within like the the last four games of the season. I don't think it's necessarily going to create that kind of like, oh, crap, we have to kind of figure out how to play with these guys. Again, right. You know, so I don't I think you're right. Like the bottom of the Western Conference churn, uh, the bottom, whoever's at in that seven spot and ends up most likely because the Warriors, as we record this podcast, are three games back of the Rockets. The Rockets are probably going to to take the Western Conference one seed. So whoever ends up in that seven spot will draw the Warriors. And it's certainly more of a concern for that team than it is for the Warriors. But a what issue? Because you're right. They are sort of these like nagging injuries. Well, but really I like- would disagree and say that even though Curry's is just a ankle sprain, it's really concerning to me that's the fourth time it's happened. This so this season. is what I'm saying. At what point, at what point, like if we're not totally worried about the matchup, at what point do we become in the playoffs a little bit worried about them not being fully healthy? Do you start to, right. to sweat it in the second round if they're not fully healthy? Do you- I mean, this is kind of what we were looking at in 2015-16 where Curry comes back from his scary knee injury comes back, doesn't look quite like himself, then gets punked on by Kevin Love in the final possession in, you know, the the series clinching game in the finals. So, I, I yeah, I would say if things aren't looking tip-top in the second round, that's when you can start. Because, you know, with Curry, it's like he's a slight, slight of build and he kind of needs his entire body to work in tandem for his shot to be as good as it is. Yeah. So if he doesn't have his legs with him. Mm. And for the whole attack and thus their entire offense yeah. at its best. A lot of people have debated about whether it's more important for them to have a healthy Curry or a healthy Durant. I think I'd argue Curry. I mean... Simply because he orchestrates the rest of it, whereas Kevin is... Kevin can, and we saw that in games since Curry's been out. 
But I just think he's more important in that sense. Kevin can go off. Kevin's the best player. If you have a healthy either one of them, I'm happy. Right, like if you if it's one of them is banged sure. up, but the other one is right. fully healthy, good to go. Until Let's the do Western it. Conference right. Finals. Well, I there, think. therein lies the rub, and that's one something I wanted to ask you guys about. Does this, in theory, if they are like a little bit banged up and not you know fully healthy, like does this really? I mean, because we've been watching the Rockets all season long, and they're they're like they're going to win the Western Conference most likely, right? Mm-hmm. Even if te- both teams were at full strength completely, you'd go. Before it was no chance that the Warriors are unseated in the West, and now you'd go, there's a chance that the Rockets could do this. It's certainly the chance increases if the Warriors aren't fully healthy. So, like, are you starting to, like, maybe think about, could the Rockets do this? No, well, I've, no, that's just been my mindset for all, are you, of, are you, all of this same, year. Would same. you buy it now? Like, like right now, if I if I gave you, I don't know, like, what odds would you put on the, the Rockets? If, if both teams are even at full strength, because you said you've been right. buying it all year. Right. What odds would you give the Rockets of, of beating the Warriors and going to the finals? Uh, I don't I don't know how odds work. Haley, you do. Uh, <laughs> would you give them one chance in five? Would you give them one chance in four? You could just do like in a series. Yeah, I think that they would win two out of three series. Two out of three series. You get the, the, the yeah, Rockets. Yeah, if, if you give them three series, you think I the think Rockets would, the Rockets win, would, would win, win two, two out, out of three. three. Yeah. Wow. Well, so I think that that speaks volumes about how good the Rockets have been this year, because I still think that the that the Warriors are the best team, even though they've been banged up and even though they're, they're three games back of the Rockets as we record this. But the Rockets are a legitimate conversation to have right. now. I, I just think they are just perfectly equipped to take advantage of any kind of quirk or any kind of wrinkle, any kind of injury scare uh, in the playoffs. They just they have they have the depth. They have. The star power. They've got the camaraderie. Chris yeah. Chris Paul apparently deciding that Gerald Green came to his rescue last night. Against uh, Gorgie. Gorgie Dang. So, <laughs> I love it. How I are you going to push NBA. little Chris Paul? So yeah, Gorgie Dang pushed Chris Paul and then Gerald Green decided to shove Gorgie Dang. Gerald Green has always response. been that guy and is so underappreciated for being that guy. Well, Chris Paul appreciates him, said yeah. that he would pay his fine for coming to the rescue of his teammate. So everybody's getting along with the Rockets. That's something also um, that I was sort of surprised by because I wasn't sure about the fit with Chris Paul. I didn't know how it would work in terms of having two guys who are sort of ball dominant on the floor, let alone interesting personalities off the floor. Kumbaya, everything is great in Houston. Daryl Morey figured it out. Look, when you have a guy like Mike D'Antoni who's just going to give free reign to his players, especially his star players, that engenders a yeah. lot of goodwill. I want you to know that I agree with you. I hope this doesn't confuse you. That I do I'm think- I'm always confused. You can't go by <laughs> me. You have to explain it. You have to spell it out for me. I will. I think that the Warriors are still the best team. I really do. But I think the Rockets would win two out of three series because of all the things that Danny was talking about. They right. have so much more depth. I think that this is a surprising stat, but actually the Warriors have the worst- bench three-point shooting. That is sort of surprising. And you can't survive on Nick Young. You can't survive on Omri Caspi as much as I love him. Yo, Quinn what? Cook, though. You but can't Qu- survive. Omri Caspi, the god, you're telling me he can't do it for them? I hear you. God, compared to sense. the Rockets bench, it's ridiculous. And <laughs> Quinn is. Cook isn't even in the playoff roster yet. They'd right. have to wave one of the guys. Right. But you're absolutely right. He's had some really Clay-esque it games. Is, it is very strange to think of the Warriors bench as a completely just separate entity yes. from their starters because yes. their identity is completely different. You Like, Omri will, refuses to take threes. Sean Livingston has taken a massive step down. It's a weird it's, mix. It's a little, yeah. It's a weird mix. That's the top of the Western Conference, and it, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's not nearly as interesting, though, gang, as the three through eight rest of the Western Conference. Uh, we'll just, like, we'll just go through these. The Portland Trailblazers have won 13 games in a row uh, as listeners to the Heat Check podcast know, despite the fact that we don't talk about them nearly enough, I really do like the Blazers. I like everything about that whole situation. I am not just a little bit surprised. I am very much surprised at how good they've been. Mm-hmm. Like This has exceeded all expectations. Damian Lillard, who, by the way, thank you to everybody on Twitter who uh, reminded me that last week I accidentally said Damon Stoudemire instead of Damian Lillard. <laughs> Damian Lillard is killing it. Absolutely legitimate. The boss man, Bill Simmons, went to the game last night, the Clippers game, to see it for himself. I think even he, I don't want to put words in his mouth. How could you not believe in them? And not, how could you not believe in in Lillard now? Right. You have to. Right. Legitimate MVP candidate. Would you have him in your top five? Because it's hard for me. It's top, hard for top me. Top five MVP. Yeah. Um. It's hard for me to squeeze him in there. He's he's on the outside right. looking in. I mean, he's, he's really right there on the bubble at mm-hmm. number five for me. Yeah. Well, so with the 
Blazers, I almost think it echoes the Raptors, right? As this team that we thought perpetually would be the same as long as they had this roster and they had to make a huge change. I don't know if the Blazers completely like overhauled their entire system as much as the Raptors. Actually, I'll go ahead and say they definitely did not. But now all of a sudden they have defense, which last year I would have scoffed at. And also, I think that Damian Lillard, all of a sudden, we have to pay attention to him. Like I, I did this Dame time article the other day, but it's like, he's always been this guy, but now all of a sudden it matters. Yes. It didn't matter if they weren't going to beat the Warriors no matter what. And he hit a big shot. I mean, it didn't matter when they were the eighth seed. They're the third seed now. We have to give them respect. It didn't even matter as recently as a couple months ago when people were giving him heat for lobbying to be an all-star and getting in and people were saying, you know, he was, he had to be one of the last guys in and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's been fantastic. I love watching the guy. Yes. Defensively previously, he wasn't great. Now, you know, he's better. The team is definitely better. And you're right. Like now all of a sudden we're starting to see this group. I talked with Juliet a little bit about continuity and chemistry and like understanding your team teammates and being able to play with them. Like, let's not forget that like that Nurk move was, they've only been together for a year now. Right. And now there's something to be said for understanding in the same way that you said that there's like a Raptors parallel, Haley, understanding each other and what to expect and just being out there and like, playing. To me, that's so fun too, Yeah. because I think that a lot of people entered this season super discouraged about, okay, well, the Warriors are just going to win it for the next four seasons, blah, blah, blah. Not only that, I'm not saying like, oh, Portland's going to beat the Warriors, but all of a sudden, all these teams that we were so used to have completely different identities. That includes Washington, not to skip conferences, but even with Wall out, all of a sudden, they've been this team who's like, hey, we're going to be one of the ball-sharing teams of the league, and that's just how it's going to work. But, I mean, that's more recent. That's not, like, something that happened over the offseason. But I just think it's interesting because it's not just only about the Warriors yeah. and now the Rockets. It's like, okay, wait, all these teams are different, and all of a sudden we have to think of them in different contexts. The West is so much fun right now. I mean, like, again, I'm, I'm Team Blazers, and they've been a lot of fun. Portland is a lot of fun. But you've got the Oklahoma City Thunder, who have won six in a row, who previously were... Nobody knew what to make of them. I don't think they knew what to make of them. Now they're playing really well. They just snapped the rap streak. Yeah, maybe should have been five in a row. Could have been. But Dwayne Case. <laughs> could have been. Dwayne right, Case, you'll have some words about Everybody that. <laughs> got tossed out of that game. It was uh, like a WWE pay-per-view. But the Utah Jazz have won nine in a row. Poor Ricky Rubio got shoved to the ground by uh, Dudley and Marquise Chris, who, by the way, leave my man Rick Rubio alone. He's, he's <laughs> That happened. To- Jeff Teague pushed him. Jeff Teague pushed him. Stop pushing Ricky Rubio. He's handsome and be left alone. Uh, that so they they've been playing really Shout well. Shout out Megan Schuster. Meg knows exactly what I'm talking about. We are uh, Team Rubio all the time. You've got the Pelicans who who you know forever in a day couldn't get Anthony Davis to elevate them. Now you look at their cast of characters. It's not. I don't think appreciably better with Boogie. They were great. Drew. It's just basically him and Drew Holiday. They're still and, playing and well. Yet they are what maybe two, three games out from from dropping out. It's it's still so Or could close to still call. jump yeah. up. This is what right. I'm saying. The Spurs are started, you know, they, they fall into the seventh seed, but there's they've won three in a row. And then you've got the Timberwolves in that eight spot. Timberwolves are dangerously close to being out. They're all dangerously close to being out, which but is I why think, it's been I so think much the fun. Wolves more than others. I, I look at the Wolves and I'm like Dude, if they if they catch the Warriors in that first round, that's going to be amazing because right. If Butler's back, Towns well, Towns just has a history of like being a wrecker against the Warriors, and if they're catching them at you know less than a hundred percent, all right. So that's pretty so because all these guys are bunched up, and because we're all paying so much attention, and because you uh, are thinking about which teams might not make it, give me one that you're saying, you know what, I'm going to call it right now, they're not going to make it. In the top eight right now? or In the Western Conference playoff picture, as we speak, somebody that will fall out. God, well, not fall out. I've been down on the Clippers all Who are you year. down on? Oh, yeah. Well, I just thought, Lee. Oh, so, <laughs> you sorry, know, Isaac Lee. Watch it. You I'm know serious. Your like, I, just had, I don't think it's their year at right. all. I don't think that they're going to find a way to budget in. And also... I think the Spurs. I would say the Spurs. You think the Spurs might drop out? Yeah, I just don't know about them. It kind of depends. Their fate kind of depends on the Nuggets and obviously Kwai. But if the Nuggets can manage to play with some energy on the way out, I have to look up the remaining. I don't. I don't think the look. The Nuggets have lost to every single like lottery team in the West over the past like. It's a weird year for them. Two months. Yeah. They, they, they've just been completely inconsistent. They haven't really been able to figure out how to fully integrate Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap might not be yeah. fully there yet. It's a lot of Jokic and a lot of 
bad defense. Yeah, Jokic well, well, and a lot of him <laughs> and uh, Jamal I think, Murray yeah. yelling and and yeah, but him, Jamal people. Murray and Gary Harris are so can sometimes just randomly pull it together and pull can off a super exciting win. But yeah, I, I keep waiting for Denver to take that step and they haven't. I'll take the chalk right now. As I'll take right. the, the group that's currently in the playoffs from the Timberwolves on up to stay there and the Nuggets on down to, to not. Yeah, so the Nuggets have the Wizards, Raptors, Thunder, Oof. Wolves, Clippers, Blazers, Wolves. I'll throw the Pacers in there. Yeah, so that's a tough remaining schedule. Tough schedule. So I might have to go back on that already. Tough schedule. Uh, all right, before I let you guys go, I said we were going to talk a little bit of the Eastern Conference. Let's do that too. The Cavs situation is interesting. That throws sort of the seeding into disarray. The Wizards, Pacers, Sixers, Bucks, Heat, they're all sort of interchangeable. Right. Is there anybody there that you like to maybe uh, surprise somebody? So I think there are two teams that are really, really shooting for home court advantage. I think the Sixers have by far the easiest record remaining in the league. And they've shown that they've been able to beat up on, you know, sub-500 teams. Tell me more, Danny. That's been their issue. They they kind of struggle against those close games and against the better teams. Mm-hmm. But I think they're 18-7 and seven against teams that are below 500. They're playing a bunch of lotto teams for the rest of the year. Great. The Wizards are interesting to me because, look, the Wizards are not better without John Wall. No <laughs> <laughs> sign. Stupidest thing I've ever heard. If, if he comes back. And the knee is fine. Right. The Wizards will be pretty scary in the playoffs just because when you get to the playoffs, it's all about matchups. It's all about adjustments. And it's all about being able to throw as many looks as possible. You have, you know, the Wizards doing their John Wall thing that they've done for the past three years. And you also have this whole, you know, everyone eats, everybody eats, Wizards look. The guy who puts that all together, this is a very Danny Child take. But Oh, like, I love this. Tomas Satoransky is the guy. Wait, what was he, the affectation? Tomas uh, <laughs> And you did a hand gesture yeah, too? Yeah, of course. It's like it does it justice. Yeah, and it's just like, he's a guy who can kind of play with Wall as the primary facilitator. He can play with Beal as the primary facilitator. Very, very solid guy who kind of holds that team together. And he gives this shallow pool someone to come in and give them a break too, which is amazing because the Wizards problem for how long has been like, okay, well, who's their bench? Who's going to come off their bench? Who can they depend on? And I also think that the whole like everybody eats thing, I think that that is less to do with Wall not being on the court and more to do with, oh my God, like John's not with us. We've got to figure something out. And so they've kind of like adjusted without him. And I do think it can stay once he's back. There's been some weird like, all, you know, all the weird like drama with them. Mm-hmm. But Beal makes a point after every game, like every win to be like, we just need John back and then blah, blah, blah. And also, I think that it's just a major surprise to everyone how good Thomas is. Mm-hmm. Tomas. Sorry. Yeah, Hand either gesture. one. Because I, nobody nobody expected him to be that. We didn't know this right. was the potential sitting on the bench. So, of course, Fair. when Wall went out, we didn't expect this to happen. We didn't know who he was. Wizards Pacers, if that holds as the 4-5 matchup, would be oh, really incredible. intriguing. So fun. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I hope Miles Turner's ankle injury is not as severe as it looked. Uh, I think those were the reports as of yesterday. But... Yeah, fingers crossed there because that would be a very, very interesting Fingers matchup. crossed that would be an interesting matchup. You guys were an excellent matchup here on the Heat Check Podcast. Haley O'Shaughnessy, Danny Chow. You guys saved me. You came in and talked to Eastern and Western Conference playoff picture. Thank you. We are the masters. You guys are the masters. Olive Green Jackets for life. All right, before we bring in Micah and Justin, one more word from our sponsors. Support for today's Ringer NBA show comes from Squarespace. Ready to start your new business? Make it stand out with Squarespace. With beautiful templates created by world-class designers, Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website. Showcase your work, blog or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products. And it's all optimized for mobile right out of the box. Use Squarespace's analytics to help you grow in real time. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Though, if you do have a question, guess what? Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support is always there to help. Destiny is calling. It says you need a new website and you should make it with Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code NBA and you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code NBA. And now, back to the show. Boom, shakalaka! He's heating up! He's on fire! 
All right, joining me in studio right now, a lot of weird things happening in New Orleans for different reasons this year. And so I had to bring on our two resident New Orleans experts, Micah Peters, Justin Verrier. Ski! Thanks for doing this. Just a couple of New Orleans natives here. <laughs> two New Orleans guys here to talk <laughs> yeah, about two all New things. Orleans guys, up, one of which grew up in Baton Rouge and the other that grew up in Connecticut. Grew up in Connecticut. It's, it's right down the street. <laughs> Super close. He commuted uh, for a couple of years and covered the Pelicans, but the Pelicans were having an interesting year all year, right? I mean, everything that was happening with Boogie and then Boogie went down and AD realizing his AD-ness and, and sort of marshalling this team that is, I don't think that much better. But before we get into the actual basketball component, mm -hmm. they've always had a very weird ownership dynamic. And Tom Benson, their owner, passed away uh, late last week. Mm -hmm. Yes. And now it's thrown their ownership group into sort of unrest and further chaos. And there's a lot to unpack here. And Tom Benson's widow, we believe, Gail Benson, 71 years old, will be taking over stewardship of both the Pelicans and the New Orleans Saints. Right. Yeah. It's definitely going to her for the moment. That was what a bunch of court battles that they had over the past couple of years settled because it was initially supposed to go to... His daughter and then, but more specifically, his granddaughter, Rhea, who was a big part of just both organizations. And she was kind of like the successor for all of that. She was very close to Tom Benson and then all this stuff happens. But there is still some sort of just like air of, of mystery involved mm -hmm. there. I think what I had heard recently is that there's more than likely those same people might sue just in order to tie it up and maybe Again? To, get a, to get a settlement. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. what I heard just the other day. And then maybe potentially down the road when the lease comes up for the New Orleans Arena, the Smoothie King Center, then maybe she would sell. But for now, it's settled. She has both teams. So just for a little back history here before I get Micah's take on this, there was an unsuccessful lawsuit in 2015, actually, brought by the daughter Renee and, and her children, Rita and Ryan LeBlanc, challenging whether Benson was fit mentally to uh, overhaul his will and leave everything to Gail Benson. And that was tossed out and it will go to Gail Benson as of right now. But there have been a, uh, there's been a lot of litigation within the family. There was also another lawsuit where Rita, one of the grandchildren, was accused of not so much roughing up as grabbing uh, step-grandma Gail. And so there's a lot of not really good relationships within the Benson family right now. As a Pelicans fan and a New Orleans native, how do you feel? Good? Feel good about this? Good would be pushing it. Good would it's be weird. generous. It's a weird it's, it's situation. A weird situation. I honestly can't tell if the future of the franchise is like what it could possibly be. Because at this juncture, I mean, if you have Gail has control, sorry, Miss Gail Benson has control of everything. <laughs> Very formal. You know, I'm I, I want to be respectful. I, I don't want to. <laughs> love that thing. I always Mr. Benson and Mrs. Gail. Did, seriously, did you yes. ever like, uh, I mean. That drives me nuts. What? You didn't the, say. The Mr. part, like in Philly, the hockey owner, Ed Snyder, everybody called him Mr. Snyder. And uh, I never did because what the hell, man? I I'm mean, like, like, no, I got to, I got to. I got, I'm an adult. You're an adult. I got a thing, though. All right. You do it? So no, no. I'm saying like when you were coming up and you were meeting like the parents of your friends for the first time. Did you say Mister? Always. Mrs. Yeah. I mean, like it's that's a thing that people in Louisiana just never grow out of. Mm. But at some point, as an adult addressing other adults, like, are you also calling me Mister Gonzalez? Like, I think we're no, doing no. just like we're just on first right. We're on first names. <laughs> we yeah, could but do I mean, that, like, though. we are also both wearing. We're both Very wearing hoodies, weird. though. That's the thing. Right, right. That probably dumbs it down a little bit. But like, this has been like that ownership group and that stewardship of that uh, organization has been a topic of conversation in NBA circles for a while. Like in New Orleans, do the fans go? I mean, in NFL ah. circles too. Yeah. I mean, like it's just. I want to say like it was most pressing around 2012, 2013 with the Saints, but like, like you said, uh, the lawsuit in 2015 is when it became like really a, a intense topic of discussion, whether or not Tom Benson was fit to. Be, I mean, like having a team that plays in the Smoothie King Center, kind of running the Pelicans like a sideshow. Yeah. The sideshow component is interesting because uh, when I first met you, you were covering the Pelicans. Right. And you had told me similarly, like, hey, you know, 
it feels like the ownership group is running the Saints and then the Pelicans are just like off to the side, right? And this is something that players talk about too. Yeah, they're very much a second-class citizen in that organization or, the, or kind of the stepchild. And now they bristle at that. And if they hear this, they're going to get pissed about that just because of that perception. Uh, but it's very much true. It's just, it's a Saints town. It's a Saints organization. And the same people that run the Saints effectively have run the Pelicans, which is an interesting thing to think about in terms of this just handover of power. The same... People that run the Saints. So you're talking about Mickey Loomis, the the GM of the Saints, Dennis Lauscher, the president for both teams, Greg Benzel, who is effectively just a VP of communications, but uh, plays a critical role in the whole Benson empire. He kind of like runs the horse racing company. These are the same people. And thus, you always wondered if there's divided attention and whether or not they're taking uh, the correct approach, the specific approach to basketball that they would uh, because normally they just just do a kind of a blanket approach to it all. Like the, all of this, not just, you know, like how do they treat the Pelicans, but also the changeover of power. And then on top of that, like the struggle within the family mm-hmm. is like really fascinating. And if I were a Pelicans fan or from New Orleans, I'd be like, eh, it's a little dicey. Like, I'm not sure. They're, they clearly don't get along. And also there have been a lot of questions. Like there's a lot of litigation around the Benson family and inside the Benson family. I mean, Gail Benson, uh, there was a Saints, a longtime personal assistant to Tom Benson, who accused the Saints in federal court of firing him after he complained that Gail made racially derogatory comments to and about him. And then there were all those lawsuits within the family. And also she has been previously in court quite a bit for like an interior decorating business that she had. So I don't know. I wouldn't feel... In addition to what you just said about like, how do they just run the organization, period? Now, how do they run it like amidst all this? Right. Because isn't the city's just feeling about the Benson family pretty conflicted considering some of the things that happened? Like Micah mentioned after Katrina, there were kind of whispers that they might move to San Antonio, the Saints. Uh, And then he bought the Pelicans to keep them in New Orleans. And there's always kind of been a gray area there where it's like, Yes, he kept the team there, but it might have been more for the city than for the good of the Pelicans organization and, and just the basketball end of it. And so there's always been that kind of push and pull there. So that that's kind of just like it's coming to the forefront now after his passing. Yeah, I mean, like it's with an owner that owns two franchises in the city and knowing that it's just impossible for somebody to run both teams and devote the same amount of attention to each, then the conversation becomes whether or not you can which one of those teams has primacy. And then on top of that, it's just kind of like the people that run these organizations are actually don't have their shit together. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, all right, well, so it changed hands. And what does that mean? Like it's, I, I, nobody knows yeah, really. Right. Well, the, the getting your shit together thing, I think is interesting because Solomon Hill mentioned over, uh, was that over the weekend? Right. Yeah. Uh, where he was like, okay, so the G League is a big push in the NBA and he's like, I'm trying to get myself right and I would really like to play some pickup and guess what? We don't have a G League team. Yeah. And this kind of sucks for me because I'm not going to go to guys in the middle. And this is why I think like the Pelicans are a fascinating story right now, not just because of all the uh, ownership unrest, but also because look at what they're doing. Like they're in the Western Conference playoff hunt. Anthony Davis is killing it. And then you kind of look around and go, oh, yeah, is anybody like really paying attention about like like the machinations of being a professional organization? <laughs> Solomon Hill's trying to come back and he has nowhere to go to practice. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because Solomon Hill, classic guy who will say anything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whatever. He is just like the best quote in the world because he's not only eloquent and he has like just a, a good understanding of the game and like articulating it, but also will just say what's on his mind. And, and in this case, he probably just didn't realize maybe the, the little jab he was throwing at the franchise. But I think it is an important point uh, because we think of franchises and like dysfunction or critiquing franchises in these big kind of broad overarching terms like oh they did this trade they're terrible yada yada but it's usually the little things the little things that you don't do to create a competitive advantage that just build up over time and this is one of those little little things that might not seem like a big deal in a vacuum but you put it together with a bunch of other things and maybe it starts to point toward like maybe we need to do things slightly different yeah i you hear it all the time in certain organizations, right? Like with the Spurs, with the Rockets, with the Warriors, you hear about culture, mm-hmm. about like sure. like how you run things, just the day-to-day stuff, the little stuff, like how we travel, how we you know um, work together 
through film sessions, like just like our everyday workday and our interactions. And like when you've got that stuff down, it makes things easier, which considering everything that's swirling around the Pelicans, I find what they've been able to do this year really amazing. As we record this, they're uh, they're tied with the, the Jazz and the Spurs and the Timberwolves with 40 wins at the back end of the Western Conference playoff picture. Forever, I've been waiting for Anthony Davis to be like supersized Anthony Davis and just will the Pelicans into the playoffs. Yeah. What changed this year? I mean, I know we had Boogie for a little bit, but like he really is a top five MVP candidate and it's everything that we've always wanted out of AD, despite the fact that the supporting cast isn't appreciably better or different, right? I think it was like crucially that the there was the run of wins going into the All-Star break well yeah. before DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. Then after that, it was just kind of like, all right, we're all going to do this. Everybody's going to pitch in. Everybody, it's like It's just that they seem to be playing together and for each other in a way that they hadn't before. Mm-hmm. And also on top of that, Anthony Davis is in the best run of the best form of his career. Killing it. Yeah. When you look at their supporting cast, is it, I mean, tell me, like, is it obviously with DeMarcus Cousins, it was considerably better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now that he's gone and they're still playing well and they went out and got Nikola Mirotic and fine. Right. Drew Holiday is playing really well and he's healthy, which is a big deal. He got rid of Omar Essek. We can't overlook that. We can't overlook that. That's important. <laughs> and then, you know, Rondo is doing Rondo things at times. But when you look at this team, do you, are, are they better than previous iterations around Anthony Davis? Yes, which is, I guess, the point is that they are just marginally better, marginally better. on the margins. And, and thus, it's made a huge difference because you have potentially the best player in the NBA playing at like the best he's ever played in his career. And I think that's like a point that can't go uh, understated. Like you have a few guys that are just like a little bit better than what they had last year. Instead of Tim Frazier, you have Rondo, who's not that good and will disappear at times and and his shooting will be bad, but he's better than Tim Frazier. And you have Darius Miller, who's coming out of Europe and shooting 40% from three. Ian Clark has been fine at times. You got Czech Diallo doing Wakanda forever tributes and stuff. Like it's (laughs) it's Yell's my dude, he's, man. He's I love that best. guy. He's the best. He's like he's like 19 or 20, <laughs> whatever he is. He's just like the sweetest human being, and all he wants to do is play hard. And, and you've seen in the past two games, he stepped up and played that kind of do-everything, kind of hustle big man role next to Anthony Davis that you need. It's, it's interesting because... Um yeah, you're right. On the margins, they have been slightly better, and it's been refl- like it's it's helped Anthony Davis. They've been a slightly better than average offensive team. They're 11th in uh, offensive rating. They've been about middle of the pack in defensive rating. Works out to what 13th in net rating. They've been a better than average team for the year, which is sort of surprising to me again because I didn't anticipate that after Boogie went down that Anthony Davis would be able to do this by himself. Are we sleeping on Anthony Davis? Like obviously. It's James Harden for the MVP, right? But like, let's think about the rest of our top five MVP candidates. Where would you slot Anthony Davis after Harden? I would probably I mean, go second. Two, I would, yeah, I would say you two. You move them up into two? I think the more interesting question is, and this is like an annoying question to ask because I'm now slipping into the Rockets habit of like, you know, Harden should have had, should have three MVPs by now. <laughs> right. But what, like, where would Anthony Davis be if he was in this form and playing in last season? Yes, yeah, this is the good question. Yeah, it's tough because you get into a slippery slope of like, well, how much does your team matter, and how exactly. much do wins matter? What does MVP? What does MVP <laughs> actually mean? Is it the best player on the best team, or is it a player that you know has this superhuman feat of whatever that catapults a kind of raggedy ass team into the fourth spot? That's the thing. It is kind of a raggedy ass team, and he yeah. has catapulted them, and he's been like. He's been, I mean, part of the knock was that he couldn't stay healthy and now he's been healthy. Mm -hmm. And part of the knock was, can he make these marginal pieces around him better or at the very least overcome them? And he has done all of those things this year. And so like the longer this season- And making everybody around him look good. Yes, yes. (laughs) Like your guy Chuck, all of a sudden uh, (laughs) he's making all these ancillary pieces look good. And the story is better now. The post boogie Mm -hmm. boom is just like a better thing to sell as MVP voters. I mean, I've been kind of the wet blanket in this entire discussion. I've been the one saying like, hey, Anthony Davis has been doing this all along. It's just that Drew Holiday has been a little bit better. And the one thing that I've noticed since Boogie's gone down is they look more like a team that Anthony Davis would shine in, like the the, the environment in, and one in which plays to Alvin Gentry's preferences much better. 
They are running the pace at the league's best rating since DeMarcus Cousins has been down and the defense has been better. And all you have on offense, I think they're middle of the road sort of team, but they have Anthony Davis and they have enough there. And that's why they've been winning some of these games. They've been fun to watch. Like, yeah. Shockingly fun yeah. to watch. Like, I mean, Anthony Davis is always fun, but now the like Anthony Davis, when they were losing and they weren't any good and they're like, you know, they had all these garbage pieces it'd be like fine you could like enjoy him in a vacuum Mm -hmm. there's something to be said for dominant anthony davis on a team that's in the middle of the pack in the western conference then all of a sudden it like really kicks up my enjoyment level like watching him on league pass has been a blast yeah and for all the talk about like demarcus and him and and kind of the bash brothers down low there it did at its worst become a bit of a slog it was a lot of like demarcus not getting back on defense and and just sitting out there with the ball on the top of the key sometimes (laughs) and trying to orchestrate but you're running and you have anthony davis in transition you have the three-point shooters some of them don't go in including when nikola meritich shoots them right but at the same time it's it's just fun basketball um where do you before we move on because i want to get to one other topic before i let you guys go but right now they're in that uh middle to back end log jam in the western conference what's the ceiling here for this team do you could you buy them stealing around i feel like they would be i mean like it'd be a they're a tough playoff matchup right now if it ended today it would be blazers pelicans first round which would be fun <sighs> that would be so much fun yeah and i'm i'm team blazers I, i'm on record for this but it would be i'd be a little worried if i was the blazers and getting that matchup you don't want to see anthony davis in the first round yeah it's true if I, you subscribe to the idea that best player in the series usually kind of wins it then, then yeah, yeah they're gonna have a, a chance there i think the key for them is just staying out of the seven eight buzz sauce to right. avoid the rockets and the wars i don't think they have any chance in those series simply because those teams are just so good exploiting your third and fourth player and your fifth player and the Pelicans barely have a, a adequate number two next to Anthony <laughs> right. Davis. I think if you talk about the Jazz or the Thunder, some of these teams that can go one way or another that could devolve into a mellow isoball, I think you have a chance in that situation. But I would say more likely than not, they're a first round out. Fun times to watch. Fun times. A lot of positivity. Listen, they're good, and I don't know what to. I don't know how to be about it. No, you know? like, no it's, it is it's weird. Interesting. Right? I, I, I really don't know how to be about it. I don't know how to be optimistic anymore. I've been hurt but, too much. Like it's, it's just kind of like I. But they are undeniably good right now. This is a therapy session that we can absolutely have because uh, as a Philadelphian, where nothing ever went right, ever, <laughs> it was very difficult for me to process the Eagles in the same way. I was like, I don't know. How, like, how do you deal with this? Like, I understand defeat and, you know, depression and dejection, but like this, the team's good. And it's fun to watch. <laughs> You'll get used to it. Uh, one more fun thing that I wanted to get into that we didn't have spot for earlier in the show because of everything that happened with Ty Lue, And then we were talking about the the Eastern Conference, Western Conference playoff picture. Big Baby Davis back in the news. And I just wanted to throw this at you guys real quick. Big Baby was at a Mar- in a Maryland hotel when supposedly, reportedly, allegedly, one of the workers at the hotel smelled the odor of marijuana, knocked on his door. Big Baby told him to take off. The cops came. The cops found $92,000 and a lot of marijuana. Uh, no big deal, right? You, you just go, okay, whatever. Except for Big Baby had a response to this. And I I, I know, Micah, you haven't seen it. Uh, Justin, you have, right? I took a glance, yeah. I, I want to play it for you guys, and I want to get your reaction because this is Big Baby on a plane with a lot of money and some fried chicken, and I want to see what you guys think about this. I mean, I, I like all of the things in that sentence. It's your boy, Big Baby, man. Don't believe I'll ask you on the internet. I will have my day in court. They just mad because a black man get, got money, man. Just trying to keep a black man down, man. Hey, man, shout out Rollo, man. All those people, man, getting money, man. Must be legal, man. A lot of jump shots. A whole lot of jump shots. championship ring. So for those of you uh, who are just listening at home, the camera work, in addition to uh, Big Baby eating Popeyes while going through this, to his left is a giant case of money on which he has propped his Celtics championship ring and had instructed whoever's working the camera to zoom in on it. It's very like... Cameron talking about 50 Cent out like after he got off a of house arrest. <laughs> he's just like, hey, yo, man, get my pool in the back. But then the shout out to Popeyes, too, because the whole time I'm like, that Popeyes looks delicious. Popeyes is amazing. It, it is. Popeyes is. I um, mean, well, two questions here. Yeah, please. Well, a lot of questions. Just two. And, and, and a second question. It's a private plane. So he, he clearly can afford that. 
Is Big Baby doing? Did he do that well? <laughs> I was thinking that same thing. I'm like, who's got p- private plane money? He got paid by the magic. Remember that contract in oh. order to go be Dwight's like just buddy and just make sure yeah. he didn't get in trouble. Second question: Is that a new bag of money? Is that the ninety, or did he get the ninety-two back? Did he get the ninety-two back? That's a great question. Can you hold that money? I don't think once the cops show up and find a bunch of weed <laughs> and money that you get to keep. You any don't get of to the, keep the money. Of it. So he had an extra bag of money somewhere. I mean, apparently. I <laughs> mean, like, there's if you if you if you get locked up and get out and get on a private plane to eat Popeye's chicken with a new bag of money, you're doing life okay. You're doing fine. He's gonna be great. He, you know, he was right. He's gonna be fine. Also, does he travel with the ring? Does he travel to Maryland? If you had a championship <laughs> ring, would you would you not have it on you? No, That's probably not. I'd probably just like leave That's it in true. a safe that somewhere. Makes or whatever. That makes like, who's, perfect who sense. Who wears those? Maybe he got two. One for just stepping out and one for his vault. I don't know. I, all I know is that there are many questions about Big Baby Davis and all of them have wonderful answers. <laughs> He's doing things okay. Shouts to Big Baby and his bag of money and his other bag of money and his Popeyes. And thanks to everybody who was on the program today. A lot of things happened. Juliet was here. We had Haley O'Shaughnessy and Danny Chow. And of course, our resident New Orleans experts, Justin and Micah and Isaac. Thank you for doing this, gang. Anytime. Don't forget, you can hear all of the Ringer Podcast Network basketball stuff. We got NBA all week long on uh, Tuesdays. We've got KOC and Verno. We've got Sources Say on alternate Wednesdays. Group chat with Justin and Chris Ryan and the gang on Thursdays and then draft class on Friday. So you don't want to miss any of that. Thanks to everybody for listening to the Heat Check Podcast. We'll be back next week. Bye.